I just want to make it really clear that um, Jess McKinney picks our scripture readers every week. So Jess does not like Laura. Um, Y'all, this is a historic Sunday because um, right before this, I was a little late getting here because I got to preach at our East Nashville congregation, and that's a big deal because in the history of Midtown, no West pastor has ever preached at the East congregation. So we got to like break down that barrier. If y'all are not from Midtown, you're like, man, is there a problem? <laughs> no, it's just that we haven't existed for very long. So um, let me pray for us. We're going to get started. Father, you are, you are God over this entire universe. You are God over all created order. You are God over me, over every single man and woman who walks this earth. You are God over your church. You are ruler, you are creator, you are sustainer. Everything is from you and to you and for you and through you. And Lord, we ask now, um, we thank you in advance for making and keeping your promise to us that you are making us perfect. You are making us fully mature. You are making us holy like you, Jesus. And so, Lord, thank you for doing that now through your word, through your word read and sung and preached uh, in the congregation of your people, Lord, as we gather here, your spirit is among us in a very special and powerful way. And so, Lord, we thank you that you will not leave us unchanged. Um, so be with us now, open our ears, open our eyes, open our minds, and open our hearts to you, and receive you however you want to come to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So what I want to do before um, we get into the sermon is just ask you all if you've got a piece of paper or on your phone, if you would just write down a couple things for me. One, write down all of your vocations. So wherever you work to get paid money is certainly that. If you are a, uh, a parent, if you're involved in, in some nonprofit work, or, or there's just wherever you put your energies on a regular committed basis. So write down all of your vocations. You can even write down uh, being a neighbor to those who live on your street or in your proximity, in your apartment complex, wherever that is. And so once you get all that down, I also want you to write down what are your places? Like what are the places that you frequent? What's your coffee shop? What's your your gym? What's your park that you go to? Wh whatever those places are for you, um, to write those down as well. We're going to come back to that. But yesterday, I, I got this little glimpse of being able to see behind the curtain. And uh, I, was, I was on 12 South. I was watching a gaggle of bridesmaids make their way up the sidewalk. And they all had on shirts that said, let's get nasty, which was wonderful. And the bride was, she was the last one. Um, she was just wearing a lot of things that were very tight. So whatever was tight, she put it on. And she had a glitter tutu and a pink cowboy hat. And she was limping. I don't know where that came from. But um, I just saw this. It was this moment when, like, the excitement was down. I got to see behind the curtain. They were walking up the sidewalk. It was like this was clearly not one of, like, the build-up moments of the Bachelorette weekend. And she was just limping down the street and looking down at the ground, and I thought, there it is, that's it. Like that is the unguarded moment where I am doing something that is supposed to be so fun and so awesome, 
and it's not. But I am spending a lot of energy trying to tell myself and trying to tell everyone else that this is awesome and I'm having fun. And I thought, you know, that's a great picture for what we are talking about here. That's a great picture for what the Lord has drawn our attention to through this whole study in Nehemiah is you and I were made to be a part of this collective vision with the people of God for the people of God and for the people of God who don't know that they're the people of God yet. But that is what we were created for and that is what Jesus is doing in us and that is where he is leading us and that is the lens through which we see all of our vocations and all of the things that we're involved in, all of our relationships and how we relate to people. And when I don't live like that, Um, When I see all of this stuff for me and for my little world and my little purposes, it gets twisted and I am like the bride-to-be who is um, walking around in a life that doesn't quite fit, limping and trying to convince myself and everyone else that I'm having fun. Um, But in this this passage, uh, if if you haven't been with us, this is the story of Nehemiah. It is a story of what the Lord is doing through Nehemiah. God's people, um, God warned them, hey, there's a way that I made you to live, and you, you're made to live with me and for me, and here's how you do that. But I'm gonna tell you, I love you. I will always be with you. I'm not asking for perfection, but if you stop being with me, if you distance yourself from me and you worship other things, if you worship yourself instead of me, um, there will be a day coming where I will have to cast you out of this land that I've given you and, I, and you will go into captivity and it will be very painful. Um, but even then, even then, my mercy is so powerful. My mercy is so complete and unlike any other mercy you've ever experienced before that I will bring you back and he promises to bring his people back in 70 years. And so that's what happens. The Babylonians take God's people. They destroy the city of Jerusalem. They destroy many of the people of God. And now God's people are in captivity, but then he raises up some who are going to bring them back and rebuild the city. And so this is the story of Nehemiah who is capturing this vision. The Lord is giving him this vision. He's working it out with the Lord, and, and now he's, he's now boots on the ground 1,500 miles from where he was in the royal city to the ruin of Jerusalem. He makes this trek on a, an animal, 1,500 miles And he says, please send me, um, because I have this burning vision, please send me from luxury to the ruins to do the impossible um, with the people of God. And so he has called them to the work. Um, He is, they, they've decided they're going to work with him. And so now in this passage, we are getting down to the actual work. And so uh, you you may be wondering, why is this chapter in scripture? This is the most boring, uh, difficult to read chapter in all of scripture. Um, And the Lord is saying, Uh, This is all about me. You know, Jesus says in the Gospels that all of Scripture is about me. And so he has something for us this morning. So first, um, what are these people doing? Um, Nehemiah makes it very clear in uh, passages before this. The the city is in extreme disrepair. The walls are down. It's ruins, raised to the ground. Um, The gates were burned and broken down so that you can't get through the gates. And so the Lord is working through Nehemiah to call his people to this collective vision to rebuild the city of God. And we get this beautiful picture of all the people were building shoulder to shoulder. It's so, so beautiful that uh, men and women, public sector, private sector, blue collar, white collar, you have all these different kinds of people doing all these different works and they've all been trained different ways and they all have their different strengths, but they are building shoulder to shoulder putting their hearts and their minds and their bodies to the same work together. 
and it's just beautiful. And, they're, and what they're actually building are two things. They're rebuilding walls and they're re- rebuilding gates. And so first, what are, what are walls for? Um, walls are for security. Walls are for healthy boundaries. Walls are actually what enable flourishing and peace because it keeps the enemies away. It keeps those who would destroy away. And it allows people inside the city to feel safe enough to take a deep breath and to be at peace and to flourish. And so the walls are very, very important. Uh, protecting the people of God from their enemies and from the destruction that comes from their enemies. And the gates, what are gates for? These gates are entry and exit points. Especially uh, back in the day in this society, the gates are where people met. It was almost like the, the neighborhood bars. Like the gates are where people would meet at these crossroads. People who were from Jerusalem and who weren't from Jerusalem. People from all over the place who were just passing through. They would meet and engage with each other. And this was the place, these were the points of entry and exit where the people of God would go out into the world for his purposes and the people of the world would come in to these gates to see who is this God and perhaps even to worship him and have communion with him. And so these people are rebuilding the walls, they're rebuilding the gates. And I wanna just stop here um, and, and think about what it would actually be like for months and months to work on these walls and gates. Because when, when I just say all the things that I just said, it's really easy to, to feel really pumped up and encouraged and think about even when Nehemiah's speech to these people where he said, hey look, God is with us, let's get up and rebuild. And everybody's like, yeah. But then we get to the actual work and it's day in, day out for months and months and months. And just think about, um, there were many days that these people did not want to get up and get back on the wall. Um, to rebuild an entire city wall, some scholars say that it was somewhere in the neighborhood of a, a mile and a half uh, in diameter. That is a very long, a very slow, a very painstaking work. And, and it also keeps you from doing something else. These people, most of them were farmers, and so this was keeping them from their own land. So their own livelihood, they were, they were setting down their preferences. They were setting down their own livelihood. They were setting down their own property to come and collectively build as a part of this unit, as a part of this whole. So it really came with a cost. And so as wonderful as this is, um, kind of spoiler alert, this, this wall actually didn't do what we hoped it would do as we read this story. Um, Because the wall that these people built didn't keep out the most destructive enemy of, uh, to God's people, which was themselves. Um, It was their own sin. Uh, It was their own, their own evil that lived within their own hearts. You know, the the chapter before this, um, Nehemiah, when he gets to the city after his three days of recovering from the 1500 mile ride, he gets up in the middle of the night and he is surveying all the damage for himself. And just imagine walking through like a hurricane or a tornado site as he's, he's seeing all this damage, but for him it was a very powerful picture of the destructive effects of sin because he knew exactly why this city was in ruins. 
God made it so clear in his word. Nehemiah knew. Nehemiah had never been to Jerusalem. He was born in captivity. He had always lived far, far away, but he knew the scriptures. He knew time and time again that the Lord warned, if you continue in your sin, if you continue in your rebellion against me, this is exactly what's going to happen. So you better believe that when Nehemiah was on the ground and he saw this, it was powerful. Wow, look, look at the destructive nature of our sin and look at the power that it has and look at what it can do. And even as, <laughs> this, is like, this is like this moment for us. Like, it, you know, this is a very exciting moment for us. People always ask, like, how is church planting? And I'm like, it's great. And we're in a really, and I always say this, I, we're in a really fun season right now. And, and I say that because it's not always gonna be fun. And right now we're kind of riding the wave of everything's new, everybody's excited, we're in this new place, and it's really fun. And that's probably what this was like here, is that we're now all inspired, we're all collectively working together, but even at the height of this wave of camaraderie and encouragement, we hear this, this thing about the nobles of Tekoa. That word nobles, it can be translated the majestic ones. Um, they were special. They were wealthy. They were just very special people and they would not stoop to build alongside everybody else. So even at the height of this amazing time where we are back on the wall and everybody is putting their, their arm, linking their arms to do this thing, even here, it's already happening. Evil is already infiltrating inside the wall. The enemy is within the gates. These nobles of Tekoa are saying, we have other things that are more important to do. Um, we're, not gonna, we're not gonna lower ourselves to this level to build alongside commoners. So even now, the, the majestic ones are too good to rebuild the city of God. And so you, you just ask, like, why is this an exercise in futility? Why is the Lord asking them to rebuild this city if this is the kind of stuff that's gonna happen? Well, again, remember, all of Scripture is pointing to the majestic one who is coming. And these walls and these gates are paving the way. They are setting, they are laying the foundation for the one who is to come, our Jesus, who himself would come as the majestic one and come to his people. And, and he is the, the true builder of the walls. He is the true builder of the gates. He is building the walls that have power. He is building the gates that have power. Jesus Jesus is the wall. Um, his perfect life and death and resurrection is our security. Um, he lived a perfect life that was sinless so that he could rightly take on all of our punishment that was justly due our rebellion. Um, all of the nobles of Tekoa and all of us, all of our sin was placed on him and he could be that sacrifice for us because he lived this perfect life. He, he lived a life within the walls of healthy boundaries. He lived a life of perfect obedience to his father. And so Hebrews 5.9 says this, and being made perfect, Jesus became the source of eternal salvation, eternal security to all those who obey him. And when you think about building spiritual walls in Christ, like that's, that's discipleship. That's what we're talking about. Um, it's this, it's this you know, freedom and constraint to the true master. It's not freedom from all constraint, it's freedom for um, life in Christ. 
You know, he says in John 15, Jesus says, if anyone doesn't abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. He is saying, listen, I have built these walls. I am these walls for you, and now you have a new power in me to build these walls alongside me for one another, to live within these healthy bounds of what it is to live the way that you were created to live. Anytime the Lord calls us to live a certain way um, or commands something, it's not so that he can feel powerful. It's so that he can receive glory and his glory is when we flourish. And so he is calling us to life within these healthy boundaries. And Jesus is saying, I am this wall that you need. And he's also the gate. John 14, six says, Jesus said to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's saying, look, there is a, a wall of separation of holiness here that has kept you out because of your sin. No one can come to the Father. But now there's a gate. Now there's a way. I am the gate. I am the way. Um, you come through me. You come through my life, my death, my resurrection. And when anyone can come through this gate, it doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter how rich or how poor you are. It doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman. It doesn't matter how old you are. Anyone and everyone is welcome to come through this gate, but you can't just climb over the wall anywhere. You have to come through the one gate, which is Jesus. And he says, when you come through me, you are welcome in the kingdom of God. Um, this was said about Jesus in uh, Psalm 118. This was prophesied of him. It says, open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. Um, the righteous enter through the gate not because they're righteous, but they're made righteous because they enter through the, the gate. They pass through the blood of Christ. Uh, we have his holiness. He has our sin. It's the great exchange. And now we are righteous in him, and we don't have to fear God anymore. He's saying, hey, come, everyone, everyone, you were made for this. Come through this gate and find life with your heavenly Father through me. But he's not just the gate and the wall. He is also the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. Um, we hear in this passage, the, we start, and basically what's happening is we're hearing about this wall around the city, and it goes all the way around and back to the start, and the place where it starts is the sheep gate. And this was the gate that all of these animal sacrifices would be taken out of the city. You know, God set up this sacrificial system as a preview and a picture of how he was really going to take away the sins of his people through his son. But up until Jesus came, all these animals were sacrificed. Their blood was spilled. The sins of the people were put on these animals. And now these animals, because of the sins of their people being put on them, were so heinous, so foul, so defiled, that they couldn't even be dealt with inside the gates of the city. They had to be taken outside of the gates to be burned far away because they were so unclean. And it says in Hebrews 13, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp, so Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. So this Jesus who is the wall, who is the gate, is also the good shepherd who went out and left his 99 to go seek for you, the one, and for me, the one. And so wherever you are, where, whatever you have done with your life thus far, even if you feel like a tremendous failure and extremely wicked, 
um, you are never too far from him because he goes into the depths of the darkest places to find his people and make them his own. So this Jesus doesn't just stay in the city of God with the people of God who are already righteous. He leaves and goes after the one, um, goes to the darkest places so you and I will never have to go there. And so that is good news. And so now Jesus is saying, hey, pay attention to this boring passage because this is what I'm calling you to. Now in me, you are my people. And now you have a new power. And you, I'm calling you to build. I'm calling you to build gates and build walls. But they're not the, the gates and walls that you see in this passage. They're different. Um, and the call to us to build these gates and walls is the Great Commission. Listen to what Jesus says the end of Matthew Jesus came and said to his followers, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So what is Jesus saying there? And remember, he's saying this to us through his word. We are his followers. This is to us just as much as it was to the people who heard him in the flesh when he first said it. But the Great Commission is this call to evangelism and discipleship. Discipleship is what he's saying, teach these people everything that I've taught you. Teach them to obey everything that I've taught you. That's what it is to grow in Christ and to become fully mature in him. And that's building walls. We are building healthy boundaries of how to live. We are following the voice of Jesus. We are teaching people how to follow the, all the things that he said so that we can live these good and beautiful lives in his power and to become fully mature and fully complete, just like him. That's amazing. It's amazing that God promises, I am making you just like Jesus. The most beautiful man who's ever lived, you are becoming just like him. And so that is a big part of what he has called us to in this collective calling, what it is to be the body of Christ is to build these healthy walls for one another and with one another. And then the other call here is to go, go to all the nations, go to everyone who hasn't heard and to share the gospel, to baptize these people who are not yet in the family of God, make them children of God. You are my vessels, you are my hands and feet to go. And so that's rebuilding the gates. You know, Nehemiah talks about when he comes into the city, his horse can't fit through the gate. Like the gate that's supposed to be this entry point into the city, he can't get through. And so that's what's happening in, that's what has happened in our lives until we come to faith in Christ. That's what's happening in the lives of the men and women that we rub shoulders with every day who don't know the Lord is those gates have been broken down through their own sin, through the sin of other people committed against them. But there, there is not a way to pass through to know who this God is because we see him not as he is. He is an enemy. He is someone to be afraid of and avoided. And Jesus is saying, I'm calling you to rebuild the gates for these people to come into the presence of God and to really know him as he is so that they can worship him, so they can have life in him, so they can have communion with him because that's what, that's what they were made for. And so as he calls us to rebuild the walls and rebuild the gates, I want to just go back to our list that I had you write down at the beginning and think about this. Um, who has rebuilt good walls in your life? When you think about people teaching you how to obey everything that Jesus has commanded so that you can live this good and beautiful life of flourishing and peace and the right kind of security, who are those people for you? Who had built those walls? Maybe it's parents, maybe it's not parents. 
Um, maybe it's people in the body of Christ in different churches you've been a part of. Maybe it's just good friends. But think about that and think about how they, how they rebuilt those walls for you. What did that actually look and feel like? And that's going to be a good indicator of maybe how the Lord is calling you to rebuild walls in the lives of the people that he's put around you. Now, something that's important here is wherever you are, um, like if you're a parent, you are building walls. It's just a matter of what kind of walls are you building. If you're a member of this body, you are rebuilding walls. It's just a matter of what kind of walls are you rebuilding. And so think about where, where is he calling you, you specifically, where is Jesus speaking to you and, and asking you, inviting you, calling you to get up on the wall and keep building? And so then the next question is, who has rebuilt the gates for you in your life? Those gates that were burned and blocked, who has rebuilt those gates so that you can come in and know the living God and have communion with him? Who are those people and, and what kind of form did that take? How did they do that in your life? And again, that's gonna be a really good indicator maybe of how the Lord's calling you to walk into the lives of the people that he's already put around you. That's the beautiful thing is, is when we think about evangelism, that's a scary, dirty word sometimes because of the way that it's been carried out. But y'all, we were made for this. It doesn't get better than this. It, that's where fun is, that's where life is, that's where adventure is, um, that's where joy is is to be the vessel that God would use and to have a front row seat to see people come into communion with the living God for the first time ever. Like, it doesn't get better than that. And, and this, this isn't a program. This isn't something that you have to leave all the stuff you're already doing. He's saying, no, 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 I put you exactly where you are to Bill Gates. Like, look at that list of your vocations and the places you hang out. That's where he's calling you to build gates. That's where he's calling you to dialogue with people from different cities. And to invite them to come in and say, hey, no, 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 what you think, that's actually not what God's like. No, 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 God loves you. You don't have to be afraid of him anymore. You can come in and have communion with him through Jesus. So who are the people, where are the places that God is inviting you to, to rebuild the gates so that people can come in? And here's something really cool. You rebuild gates, you and I rebuild gates. It sounds like I'm saying Bill Gates, and that's throwing me off a little bit. You and I rebuild gates. <laughs> okay, now I'm thinking about what it would be like to rebuild gates. Um, we rebuild gates through our words and our friendship and our love, certainly. But guess what? We also rebuild gates through our work. Some of y'all know this very well, and I'm thankful. Some of y'all don't know this yet, but here's some really cool news, is that it, whatever legitimate vocation you have, it has eternal significance. The work itself has eternal significance. Why? Think about this. Martin Luther made this point when he said, in the Lord's Prayer, we pray, please give us our daily bread. And guess what? The Lord already has the bakers awake making the bread for us as we pray. Like we are the hands and feet of God and the way that he cares for his creation is all the things that he's called us to do. And so when you work in a certain way that glorifies God, 
when you live and love people in a certain way that glorifies God, essentially what you're doing is you are building a gate. You are making it easier for people to believe that this good news could actually be true. Look at the work that this person, look at the work that this organization is doing out in the world. Look at how they care about justice and fairness. Look at how they go the extra mile and treat their customers. So now when I hear the gospel, I actually have something that I can like, a a hold that I can grab onto and say, you know what, maybe that's true because look at the way that this person works. Look at the way that this person lives. Look Look at how they love me. So where, where is he calling us to rebuild these gates? And it's so cool because, y'all, he's, he's intentionally put us in all these different places all over the city. But, and he has gifted us completely differently from each other. And he has given us all sorts of different personalities and different backgrounds and different stories. And that's all by his design because he is reaching all those kinds of people. Rich, poor, all different nationalities, all different races, all different ages, Everything. He is calling us to go out into the world and rebuild those gates. It's our vision statement. Jeremy said it earlier, but we are, our vision statement, just so you know, is just a restatement of the Great Commission and the little, the little personality that we feel like God's given us to do the Great Commission in this little part of his kingdom. It's we are on adventure with Jesus to be set free, that's discipleship, to set others free, that's evangelism, and to enjoy that freedom together. And so we're not just out there rebuilding gates for people to walk into anything. We're saying, no, no, we're rebuilding this gate so you can know Jesus and come in here and be a part of this family and be a part of our community. So now we go back to this passage that was so extremely boring and so difficult to read. And you see this new significance of how encouraging is it that this chapter is filled with a bunch of nobodies who are very average, very ordinary people, and guess what? They did not, I'm sure, they did not think that their names were gonna be read on the other side of the world centuries later. Their work has outlived them. Their work has followed them and will follow them through eternity, and guess what? Our building of gates and walls will outlive us and will follow us into eternity. Um, I didn't just get that from Gladiator. I got that from the word of God. (laughs) Revelation 14, 13 says this. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. Whatever you and I do, However we love people, however we work, whatever we put our hands to and our hearts to and our minds to for the glory of God, no matter how insignificant it feels to you right now, no matter how little fruit you can see right now, it is bearing eternal significance. You can count on that. Whatever, in whichever way you are building walls and gates, you are building those walls and gates before the face of the living God who sees you and your work at all times and who is proud of you and loves you in Christ, and he has given you the power to do it. And so we can go from here in joy and peace and his love to go and rebuild these walls and these gates to his glory. And that's what we were made for. Father, we, we give you ourselves. Um, please, Lord, please, do not let us spend any more time being like the nobles of Tekoa who are too self-important, who are too self-absorbed to, to give our lives to this vision that you have given your people. Lord, please humble us. Please 
Give us a hunger for you and for those who don't know you. Give us a hunger for a good and beautiful life so that we would be excited about growing in you and see the fruit that it bears and, and to be so excited about being on the front lines, sharing your love for lost people who are hungry and hurting and limping through their bridesmaids' parties to have life in you for the first time, the very thing that we were all made for. Lord, please give us uh, a love and a hunger that we, and a power that we don't have apart from you. In Jesus' name.